Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 118 of the Box Hard Podcast, 118118. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's jump straight into it. Again, it's not going to be such a long show today. It's going to be, uh, or this week, I should say. It's going to be a pretty quick show. We've um, we've got Joseph Parker coming up in the first interview. It's just a really quick interview with him, just checking in um, with him right after his his press conference with Anthony Joshua. Um, so that was that was quite good to, to you know to speak to him there. I just literally caught him as he was leaving. He was in the car on the way to the Sky Sports Studios. And we did a quick, uh, little quick interview in the car. Hopefully, we have something a little bit longer with him, maybe a little bit closer to the fight. Um, but yeah, let's jump straight into the reviewing. As always, there's not too much to go over. Once again, there was one bill really to mention in total. It happened at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York. Well, just one fight to mention on this bill. Clarissa Shields, she defended successfully her IBF and WBC world female super middleweight titles against the previously undefeated Tori Nelson. Tori Nelson was 17-0 and with three draws. She's now 17-1 and with three draws. Clarissa Shields now 5-0, and perfect record still. Has two of the belts at super middleweight. Obviously, you know, the, the main kind of big fights for her down the line, I suppose, are going to have to happen Maybe in different weight classes, she's a real big name in boxing, but there isn't too much going on at super middleweight right now, so something's going to have to happen with her. But all in all, the performance, from what I've heard, I haven't watched it, but I've heard that it wasn't really you know, a breathtaking performance, it wasn't a great performance. However, she did completely win the fight by a shutout, all three judges giving her all 10 rounds, so... um you know, you can't really moan too much about that. That really is it for the review. And like I say, we've really whizzed through that. Um, like I say, it's going to be a really short show this week. Just a little bite-sized little piece. So it's now time, just before we wrap up part one, to welcome guest number one, which of course will be Joseph Parker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBO heavyweight champion of the world, Mr. Joseph Parker. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's always a pleasure, my friend. So, obviously, I know that you've just left the press conference, Joseph. I know that you're, uh, you, if I'm not mistaken, you're now in a in a car on the way to Sky Sports. Are you that far advanced at the moment? Yeah, I mean, we just left the uh, we just left the press conference, so it's uh, you know just we're keeping pretty busy, you know, um, while we're here, and it's uh, just heading to Sky Sports. And I've got a few, um, there's just a few commitments there. Okay, cool, cool. Is that to film the uh, that program? The gloves are off. Yeah, I think I think that's what we're doing there, and also we're going to do sort of some some promo for the fight. So, um, so let's say uh, we're just we're just you know, sort of getting things ticked off and done. Okay, and obviously you met Joshua today in the flesh. I don't believe that's the first time you've met him. You've met him at one of Vladimir's camps before, I'm sure. What did you make of him? Did you get to size him up? What did you make of the whole thing? This is uh, I met him back in Azerbaijan when we were both amateurs, but uh, this is a, a different 
there's a different uh, for Joshua, and, and so I, I see myself as a different fighter as well from those days. And it was good to see him. It was good to see him in the flesh. And uh, you know, he's a big boy, but I'm, I'm ready for whatever you're going to bring. Much really on. And Joseph, I've asked you your opinion on Joshua before. You've always been very respectful of him. You've always said he's a good fighter. However, for you to take this fight, you must believe that you can beat him. What can you do to beat him, uh, uh, Joseph? I've heard that your trainer, I think I think I read something online, that your trainer, Kevin Barry, said that you need to be a lot lighter in this fight than your previous couple yeah, of fights. We, Is that I, the case? I was always to be a lot lighter for this fight. and I'm going to be heaps of speed, heaps of movement, and um, so it's going to be... I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it hard for him to catch me. And another thing that obviously we all knew about, we knew that there was, you know, lots of bickering in terms of getting the fight done. There were percentage split arguments and stuff like that. And you know, Eddie Hearn made it quite public. So did your promoter or your promoting team, Duco. Um, you know, there was arguments on the splits. In the end, if you can say this, did did Joshua's team kind of just accept your proposed offer, or did you have to budge even further their way? We had to, um, no, we had, we both teams gave a concession, and I think, all right, now both teams are happy with the deal, and you know, now that that's done, we, we're looking at maybe leaving it to the side now and getting the work done. So I think, uh, yeah, both teams are happy, and um, now it's time to look forward to the fight. And also, a lot of the UK fans that are overlooking you are saying, you know, they want to see Joshua fight you simply so he can have another belt for when he fights Deontay Wilder. So it's for all the belts. Obviously, you're looking to derail those plans. Should you be Anthony Joshua, is Deontay Wilder the next man on your hit list? You know, hopefully everything goes wrong. We, we meet him and we are victorious after March 31. There's a clause in the, in the contract where he wanted a rematch, so... I think that'll be, if anything goes on, that'll be the second fight of the year. Ah, right, okay, I see, I see, I see. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Also, coming down to the last couple of questions, I know time's quite a factor here. Obviously, we all know that Tyson Fury tweeted a few weeks back that... Um, that, that if anybody wants to bet him £5,000, he wants to bet anybody who fancies the bet that you will beat Anthony Joshua. When you see, you know, a man like Tyson Fury tweet something like that, obviously he's got a lot of confidence that you can do the job. What does that, what does that say to you? What is, what is that, how does that make you feel? It's great to, to have the support from him. You know, he's a great guy and um, you know, he was a champion and <clears throat> still consider, a lot of people consider him the champion. And it's good to get the support. And finally, Joe, I've checked out the odds over here, and obviously you've never been knocked out, you've never been knocked down either. For you to win on points, which I actually think is very plausible, is 33 to 1. And I actually had to stick a pound on that, because the odds are, are crazy in my opinion. The betting shops believe the most likely thing to happen is for Joshua to win by knockout. After that, they believe Joshua will win by decision. After that, they believe that you'd knock Joshua out. And finally, like I say, the most unlikely scenario is for you to beat Joshua on points. Despite you winning your last three fights on points, um, what is your prediction, jo Joseph? Do you reckon you can win this on points, My or is it simply a knockout? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to come down with my game plan, and I'm going to perform the best I can, and um, you know, knockout comes and comes, but I think it's going to be a great fight. I'm not, I don't really pay that much interest in the odds. If people want to make money, they start betting on me. <laughs> Okay, well, listen, Joseph, I always speak to you before your fights. I always wish you well, and every single time I've done that, you've gone on to win. Not that I think it's all my fault, by the way. But once again, I wish you all the very best for March the 31st. Thank you for your time, and I'm sure we'll catch up sometime afterwards. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, brother. Speak soon. Take care. 
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But as always, we go to Ayaz with the latest news. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of things to talk about. Ayaz, take it away. What you got for us? This Saturday, Box Nation will be showing the Errol Spence versus Lamont Peterson fight. Yeah, that's a great fight, obviously. It's really the biggest fight um, of the year so far. What I mean by that, obviously, is we're a few weeks into January now. Um, you know, there's a few big fights coming up, but this really is the first kind of boxing card that I'm really looking forward to. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait for it. I'm happy that Box Nation have picked it up. It was a bit of a last-minute kind of thing, but I'm happy that it's been done, and I'm really looking forward to it. I definitely know where I'll be on Saturday night. Oscar Valdez will face Scott Quigg on Master Tef at StubHub Center. Yeah, great fight, actually. I remember speaking to Oscar Valdez on this show. Um, it was a few weeks back now, and, you know, he was in between fights. He didn't really know what was happening. And I'm sure he said that... that I, think, I'm, I think I'm pretty sure he said that uh, he thought he'd probably be fighting Frampton if he, if he was going to be fighting one of the guys in the UK. I don't really even think we mentioned Quigg. Um, I might have to go and go and listen back to that. But anyway, yeah, he's fighting Scott Quigg. It's a great, great fight. Um, you know, it's one I'm really looking forward to. For me, though, I'd probably have to say, uh, I probably at this stage probably side with Oscar Valdez. But um, we definitely have to get him on the show um, again. Obviously, just before the fight, he's a good guy. But I wish both men all the best in that one for sure. Lenroy Thomas will face uh, Dave Allen in a rematch. Yeah, that one's going to be happening on Kell Brooks undercard, which um, which was the same place where the first fight happened, obviously, on Kell Brooks undercard. So, yeah, I mean, he gets the rematch, Dave Allen. Um, you know, the first, the first time I actually thought he won that fight, despite, I think, having a little bit of money on Lemroy Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Dave, so, you know, it wasn't nothing malicious or anything. I really hope he can do it and certainly achieve that goal and become the Commonwealth champion. He, re he really does deserve it. Um, but no, it's, it's a tough ask, you know. I give him a lot of credit, but really and truly, where else would he go? I mean, losing to a guy like Lemroy Thomas, unfortunately, he's a good fighter, Lemroy Thomas, but unfortunately, there isn't too many kind of sides to turn to really when you lose to Lemroy Thomas and that's really the the position that uh, Dave Allen ended up in unfortunately for him and um, I'm really hoping he can right the wrong here but to be honest you'd probably have to make Lemroy the favorite maybe going into this into this uh, into this second fight but certainly what what does need to happen is all three judges need to be different judges I think because I think the judges somewhat were a little bit a little bit harsh on Dave Allen. That was just my view. Maybe I was being a little bit biased. I don't know. But all the very best to the big man. We've got a lot of love for him on this show for sure. Yep. Um, Sean Master Don will face um, Tommy Coyle on the Amir Khan undercard. Yeah, that one. What's the date again for Amir Khan's? Twenty um, first, twenty first of of um, April. Yeah, obviously in Liverpool. It's a shame because it clashes with Carl Frampton and Nanito Denier. So you've really got to pick which one you're going to be watching live and which one you're going to be watching back. It's going to be a hard night for us on that night. I as um, it's also the closest weekend to my birthday as well, so it doesn't really help me out. Yeah, but about that fight there, I'm happy that it's been made. Um, it's, it's, it's a good, good fight. I think that Sean Masha Dodd has been overlooked many, many times, always turns up and always, you know, always comes to fight, always puts in a good performance. And, I mean, at one point, I suppose he's going to, you know, 
sort of run out of steam a little bit and maybe get beaten up. But then again, Tommy Coyle, you definitely have to say he's probably seen better days as well. I actually really like this fight, though. It's, it's a bit of a trade fight, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Um, I think I think it could be a, a real all-action fight, and I, I think I'd probably edge Tommy Coyle. I really like Tommy Coyle. I do. I really do like Tommy Coyle. Um, one thing for me, I think he can certainly punch. I, I remember when he was putting away quite a few guys in a row. Um, I, f I think he fought, fought quite a few guys in a row, knocked them all out, and you know, for me, it was quite exciting to watch. No world beater, but you know, seems like a good guy, and I wish him all the best in this one. But once again, Sean Masher Dodd. I mean, I think it was last time out when he beat Tom Stalker the way he did. He just keeps getting overlooked, keeps getting, you know unappreciated, I suppose, fight by fight, but still turns up and gets the W. So credit to, to Sean Masher, Dodd. I like both guys, but made the best man win once again. But, um, yeah, I think I probably edged to Coyle. I think Coyle's got the hunger a little bit once again. He's been chasing big fights for quite a while. And this one is a really good fight, and uh, obviously on a really good undercard too. Callum Smith will face Jürgen Bremer on uh, February the 24th. Yes, it was funny because this took quite a while to be announced. A lot of people were, you know, rumbling up all these rumours on social media, stuff like that, saying that Callum Smith isn't even going to be fighting in this World Boxing Super Series tournament. He's going to be pulling out. Joe Gallagher made the decision. All this rubbish, complete, complete nonsense. I just don't get it. You know, that's the one thing that we don't do, Ayaz. It's funny because we really don't spread stuff or don't, you know, say things on the show that we're not 100% sure of. A lot of these other people, these sort of like, I don't know, like these people that are desperate to break this shocking story. And most of the time, the shocking story's got completely no substance to it. It's, it's just a load of, you know, a load of, uh, a load of BS, really, a load of rumours. But there's so many people that like to spread all this crap, and it's just, it's laughable, really. I mean... You know, I never believe any of this stuff. I'm, I've been, I've been around the game for a while. I know to take everything that you see, unless it's from the horse's mouth. You know, just take everything with a pinch of salt. And that is what I did when I saw that. I didn't think he'd try and run away from Jurgen Bremer. No way. And I'm happy that the fight's, you know, the fight's been made. I, I do have to admit, for whatever reason, it did take quite a while to get made. But I don't think there was at any point, you know, a, a, a time where Callum Smith was con seriously considering pulling out of the tournament and pulling out of this fight here. But yeah, I'm happy. It's, I'm happy it's made. I really am. I think Callum Smith beats him, but I think he gives Callum Smith a good fight. And a lot of people think that I'm crazy for thinking that. I've, I'm pretty sure Spencer Fearon was quite surprised when I said I think it was going to be a good fight, as if it was going to be some kind of easy win for Callum Smith. Don't get me wrong, I hope it is an easy win for him, he's a good guy, and we'll probably, you know, we'll probably look look to get him on the show once again, he's been on a couple of times, Callum Smith, so um, yeah, all the best to him in that one for sure, him and Joe Gallagher and the rest of the team, but yeah, it's a cracking fight and I'm happy that it's been made. And finally, Lewis Ortiz will face Deontay Wilder for the WBC heavyweight title on March the 3rd. Yes, another um you know, another another big fight that's been made. Obviously this could have happened a few months back, but Luis Ortiz failed the drugs test. It seems this time round um, you know, the fight's been signed again. Hopefully he doesn't fail any drugs tests here. Um I feel I don't really know how to feel about this. If if Luis Ortiz truly did something wrong intentionally, that's the only thing. It's very hard to prove whether whether anything's intentional, really. Um, if he did something intentionally, then obviously he shouldn't even be boxing. However, um, you know, all that aside, um, he's been declared. Uh, 
I suppose, okay to fight or whatever you want to call it. He's been accepted by the WBC. They haven't chucked him out of their rankings. And here we go. The the fight's back on. Um, Deontay Wilder's a guy for me, as, and I've said it many times, and I know that you agree. He seems to, uh, you know be quite easily outboxed for the first few rounds in his fights. I'm not quite sure why. He seems to be a bit of a slow starter, but always, 100 out of 100 times, does he catch up with you in the end, and most of the time, um, he, most of the time he knocks you out. So, um, for me, it's, 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 it's a good fight, but I think if he gives up some of those early rounds to Luis Ortiz, and I think he will, I think Luis Ortiz is definitely going to, you know, provide many many problems on the night especially being a southpaw that can punch with both hands and is quite clever I don't know it's it's, it's really it's, it's I don't know the length of Wilder I suppose is is a massive massive plus um, but I think I, I don't know I mean we just don't know how old Ortiz is but for me I'd probably favor Ortiz eyes and that might be quite controversial um, but I think I think he's a nightmare for Deontay Wilder. I think I think the first few rounds Wilder could be down and then could get a little bit desperate. And again, Luis Ortiz can knock you out with one punch as well. So I really, really am looking forward to that fight. That's going to be that fight really that you know you watch it and kind of think to yourself, right? There's no way I'm looking away from this screen even for two seconds. It could end at any stage. But for me, I'd have to favour Luis Ortiz. I think he I think he wins the first few rounds and probably knocks Wilder out. I really, I really do think that. Um, once again, I don't really have a horse in that race, so I made a best man win. But yeah, we do definitely want to see the winner take on the winner of Joseph Parker and um, and Anthony Joshua. But it was it was funny Joseph Parker there saying that um, there's a rematch clause in the contract. Obviously, that's the first I've heard of that. So just goes to show how serious Anthony Joshua's team are taking Joseph Parker. Um, but then again, I suppose they probably insert these clauses into most of his fights anyway. But I haven't really heard it in the past mentioned too many times. So, yeah, hopefully the uh, the right man wins in both of those contests. And we see a big unification for all the marbles sometime in the summer or, or perhaps the later part of the year. That's it for the news, Ayaz, yeah? Yep, that's it for the news. Okay, moving over now to the preview part of the show. A couple bills to go over here, and that will be all. Um... Firstly, we're going to start over in France. There's one or two fights to mention on this bill. It's not a great bill, but I will mention it anyway. Um, a guy called Andrea Scarpa. He's 22 and 3 now. A former opponent of, of John Wayne Hibbert. Former opponent of O'Hara Davies. Uh, he takes on a guy called Frank Petitjon, who is from... Um, from France, he's record 19 and four with three draws. He's the EBU European Super Lightweight Champion. Andrea Scarpa looks to try and win that European title there. All the very best to Andrea Scarpa. He's he's quite a colourful character. Obviously, um, you know, an Italian fighter. I remember him swearing. Um, he barely knew any words of English, but I remember him swearing completely, completely catching everybody off guard at the press conference. Uh, it was really funny. But no, I like him. He's, he seems like a really nice guy and um, I'd like to see him do well. I mean, he's not a bad fighter by any means. Also on this bill, Mohamed Mamoun. I remember um, avid listener of the show, Ricey, last week suggested that Mamoun would be a good fight for Amir Khan. Well, yeah, this was the fight we were talking about. He's already had a fight scheduled. His record 19-2. and two. He fights for the vacant IBO World Super Lightweight title against Emiliano Dominguez Rodriguez, who's 21-0. and 0. I don't know the first thing about him, but we will certainly find out if he's any good on 
on Saturday night over in the Palais des Sports, Marcel Sedan over in France. Moving over now to the USA, the final bill to mention. Again, as you said, I asked this one to be shown on Box Nation. I think it probably starts about 2 in the morning usually, but there's so many fights on. I'm hoping it starts a little bit early. I'd like to see some of this. There's, there's a real, real brilliant, brilliant list of names on this bill. Um... I'm going to start here with Sergei Derevianchenko, 11-0. and 0. He's in an eight-rounder against a bit of a journeyman, really. Deshaun Johnson, 22-22 and 22 with three draws. Derevianchenko, obviously a fighter that I'm quite excited about. A bit of a knockout artist as well. I think he's... Um, I'm sure he's 11-0 and 0 with nine knockouts. But yeah, he's one I'm certainly excited for, obviously, um, in that middleweight division. I think he's at at the moment. So yeah, all the very best to him. A Russian based in the US. Also on that bill, we've got Anthony Peterson, 37-1, and 1, taking on Luis Eduardo Flores, 23-8. and 8. Now, Flores, a guy from Colombia, I don't really think he's, he's a great fighter. He's been in there with a few prospects. He lost to Jamel Heron. He lost to Regis Progray. He lost to Sharif Boguer, um, I think most recently out of those names there. So, yeah, he's no great shakes, really. But Anthony Peterson himself, and this is a, a real flaw with both of the Peterson brothers. They're just so, so, so badly inactive. I mean, you go on you go on, uh, on, on Anthony Peterson's record. He lost his only fight to Brandon Rios back in 2010. Okay, so... Um, it was in November. It was in September 2010. So that's obviously seven, seven years and and four months now. Okay, we're in January. So seven years and four months, and he has had seven fights since then. And it's just not good enough. You can't have seven fights in seven years and four months. But yeah, like I say, he takes on this guy here who's no great shakes. I suppose the record looks a little bit better than what the actual guy is, and certainly in Anthony Peterson's case, his record is exactly the same. Um, yeah, I'm not really too bothered about that, but I suppose Anthony Peterson is a name. Also on the bill, Adam Kalnacki, 16-0 with 13 knockouts to heavyweight. He's only 28. He's a Polish boxer based in Brooklyn. Recently just got a win over Artur Spilker, in which he knocked him out in round four. Really good win there. Kalnacki's a guy that I think I maybe even suggested for Tyson Fury's comeback fight. I'm quite liking the look of Kalnacki. He takes on a guy called Iago Kiladze who is 26-1 with 18 knockouts. His one loss came to Yuri Kalenga at cruiserweight, but since moving up to heavyweight, I think he's maybe had about two or three or four fights, something like that. I think he's won most of them by knockouts. So, yeah, this is a Georgian fighter based in Brooklyn as well, so a little bit of hometown, well, adopted hometown, New York rivalry there. Um, also on this bill, Marcus Brown, 20-0 and 0 with 15 knockouts. Another guy that I'm really looking forward to his future develop. Um, obviously, 27 years old now. He takes on Francie Netetu, who is 17-1. Not a big name, but the only loss on his resume comes to David Benavidez back in June of 2016. Um, obviously, Benavidez now a world champion, an undefeated world champion, so there's no real shame in that. But this is quite a good fight. This is really, for me, probably fight of the bill. I don't think that Natetu's, you know, such a brilliant fighter, but he nearly went the distance with 
uh, David Benavidez. It was only an eight-rounder. He was stopped in round seven. But he's got a couple of decent names on his resume, so I quite like that fight there. But I'd like to see Marcus Brown step it up, 20-0 and 0 now. Also on the bill, there's two world title fights here, but the first one, um, Robert Easter Jr., 20-0 and 0 with 14 knockouts, puts his IBF world lightweight title on the line against Javier Fortuna, 33-1 and 1 with one draw. Obviously, Fortuna's only loss came to Jason Sosa in June of 2016. Um, a really good test here for Robert Easter Jr. You'd have to probably say, I mean, I really like Richard Comey, but you'd have to probably say this is his hardest fight on paper. Not on paper, actually, on you know, in terms of a real fight, physically. I think that that's a great, great fight. Um, a lot of people online give him Fortuna a real chance in that one. I mean, Fortuna can bang as well. You know, he's... Again, he's had he's one of those guys who's had loads and loads of fights, and you probably think he's older than what he is. He's only twenty eight. I mean, obviously, Robert Easter Jr.'s he's twenty six. He's a little bit younger, but in terms of actual proper world level experience, you'd have to side with Javier Fortuna for me. So, yeah, in my eyes, that's a really good fight. I'm looking forward to that one. And the main event here, eyes, and I'm going to come to you as well in a second. It's going to be shown, like I say, on Box Nation and on Showtime in the US. Errol Spence Jr., 22-0, and 0, puts his IBF world welterweight title on the line against Lamont Peterson. Errol Spence obviously defending his title for the first time since taking the title away from Kell Brook almost eight months ago. He he returns to the ring here in his hometown. And what I mean by that is he doesn't live in New York, but he was actually born in New York, Errol Spence. So a bit of a homecoming for him there. And like I say, takes on Lamont Peterson, 35 and 3 with one draw. And again, like I said about Anthony Peterson being extremely inactive, let's take a little look at Lamont Peterson here um he fought obviously remember that time when he when he beat Amir Khan very very controversially since beating Amir Khan in 2011 in December which was what's that six years ago he's had one two three four five six seven fights so he's had seven fights in six years his brother's had seven fights in seven and a bit years you know I mean it's just not good enough really obviously um you know Peterson I'm not I'm not overly sold on him since he's moved up to 147 or even just fought above above 140, really. I mean, he's had the, the the last three fights he's been above 140. There was that bizarre catchweight fight against Danny Garcia where both guys didn't put their titles on the line, which was just unbelievable. He lost that fight on a majority decision, but it was really, really close. After that, he won a majority decision against Felix Diaz. Um, you know, that was a good win, to be completely honest. But yeah, a majority decision. He took Felix Diaz's O. And then, of course, he took on David Avanesian, um, you know, friend of the show and, and he beat David Avanesian but it wasn't it wasn't like a landslide but he clearly won that fight um yeah I'm just haven't really been sold on him to be honest especially taking on somebody as big and as strong as Errol Spence but again it's, it's one of those fights where it kind of splits people some people saying and I kind of side with the guys that say Errol Spence is going to win this easily but Lamont Peterson has got a load of fans online who say it's going to be a really, really good fight and that we shouldn't overlook him. Um, Ayaz, how do you see it? I mean, Lamont Peterson's he's a good fighter. He's been around a long, long time. But obviously, well, I say obviously, in my opinion, his best days are behind him now, surely. 33 years old. He's been in the game a long time. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that Errol Spence, the younger, fresher guy, um, Lamont Peterson, he's done what he's done in the ring. He's become a... He's won a world title, but I reckon, um, in my opinion, Lamont, um, Errol Spence Jr. is just going to stop him. I probably tend to agree, to be to be honest. Um, I think that 
I think that he's got a lot of skills about him, Lamont Peterson, but I just don't know. Like I say, against a bigger guy like Spence, Spence has been a pro for five years. Um, Peterson's been a pro for just over 13 years now. I think, to be honest, his, his best days really are quite a way behind him. Um, I think I, I do think he gets stopped. I mean, I don't know if, if Errol Spence is going to be able to get him out of there quicker than Matisse did in that in that thrilling win, really, back in 2013, where he stopped him in the third round. But what I will say is, if he stops him in the third round or before that, then I will just, I'll eat my hat, because that would be really, really impressive. Um, let's talk about rounds, as again, obviously, we haven't done the Prediction League for quite a while, so I forgot to ask the question on Twitter, but what's your thoughts? I mean, what rounds should we say? Should, should we say the first six rounds, or, the, or, or maybe round seven to 12? Where do you see the stoppage slotting in? I'm going for round nine. Round nine. I think that's quite a good round, really. I think maybe I'd probably cyber you. Maybe maybe, maybe round... i tell you what, I'm going to go with round 10. I, I've got a feeling something's telling me round 10, round 11. I think it is going to be a late stoppage, though, for Spence. I think, you know, maybe it'll take him a couple rounds or something to figure out uh, Lamont Peterson. But I think he will win. I think he will... Um, possibly stop him as well, yeah. I think, I think yeah, we're going to both agree with a stoppage. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good test for Errol Spence, but like I say, I really do want to see him in there with a guy that we can say, oh, that's a great fight. And, you know, it's not like 147 are short of those names. I mean, you just got to look at the rankings. There's so many great fighters there, obviously, like we've said. Keith Furman, Jeff Horn, Manny Pacquiao, maybe not so Manny Pacquiao at the moment, but Danny Garcia's in there as well. These are all great fights for Errol Spence. Sean Porter, I'd like to see that fight. You know, there's 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 many names there really. Even um, even Omar Figueroa, I know he'd be up for that fight. So there's so many names there. But this one, I mean, it's it's going to be decent-ish, I suppose. I hope so, anyway. But the bill itself is a great, great bill. I can't be complaining just about one fight. The main event is the main event. I understand that, but. I mean, it should be good. It should be good. I, just, I don't know. I've just got a bit of an opinion where I don't think I don't think that Lamont Peterson's really putting up much of a challenge. But I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. I do want to see Errol Spence tested in what we can call um, some kind of 50-50 at some point. But I'm not quite sure this is that fight. But anyways, all the very best to everybody that we've mentioned there on those bills. It's, it's a great, great night of boxing, and I'll be definitely staying up late on Saturday to watch those. Um... I think that's it, Ayers. Is there anything else to say at all? Have I forgot anything? Is that everything? That's everything. Okay, excellent stuff. Right. That's it then. Just before we, we wrap up the show, there's one last thing to do. As I said, it's it's been a bite-sized show this week. We've brought you another two guys, another two heavy guys, another two heavyweights, and another two world champions, let's be honest, because Joseph Parker is a current champion, and the guy that we're about to speak to is a former one. Let's give him that at least. Okay, it's now time, just before we wrap up the show, to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA heavyweight champion of the world, Mr. Lucas Brown. Lucas, once again, welcome to the show. Hello, Matt. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure, just like the last time. I'm all good, my friend. So, Lucas, uh, the last time we spoke was actually the week after your last fight, so we haven't really got a backup too much. When we spoke, you just returned to the ring. You just knocked out Matthew Greer. After that fight, I remember asking you a question, and one of the questions that I asked you was, how many fights do you believe that you'd need to have before stepping in again at world level? And you actually said that you believe you'd need to fight yourself into a mandatory position, maybe about five or 
six fights. But of course, here you're fighting Dillian White for the WBC silver title, which means that you're potentially one fight away from a world title shot. So you must be a pretty happy man with that situation. Well and truly, um, it got to the point where I basically had three fights in three years. Um, as we all know, Matthew Greer isn't uh, anyone of any sort, so to speak, and it actually cost me $12,500 personally to, to put that fight on for myself. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I don't want to keep mucking around with these little things, so I want to jump straight in. Um, Dylan White's always been on the radar um, as someone that I just wanted to fight, let alone anything else, because I just don't like him that much. And uh, it's it sort of really all worked out you know, in, in my favour, which is great. And how did the fight come around originally? I know that, like you say, it's a fight that you've wanted for a long time. It's been in the pipeline a long time. Eddie Hearn was quoted a few times saying that you were making Dillian White wait because you were seeing what Joseph Parker was going to do first. Explain the situation to us, Lucas. Um, yeah, basically, I was I was actually lined up to fight um, Kuzman, Sergei Kuzman, in Russia. He's from Russia himself. Uh, that was supposed to be in November. Now, just as I was about to actually sign that, literally like the, the, the day before, Parker Camp actually reached out to me and said, would you fight Joseph Parker? Now, of course, world title, Joseph Parker, let, let, let's do it sort of thing. So we put Kuzman away, so to speak, and, and he ended up fighting me and saw, and they had a big head clash and, and stopped in the second or third round. Third round um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I was like backwards and forwards with Parker, um, and to some point I was sort of like the, the, the pawn in the situation as well. Um, now, right, rightly so, and I don't blame him in any way whatsoever. He's, he's got the money fight, he's got AJ, which is exactly what he should have done, and that's quite smart. But I didn't want to be the pawn in that situation either, so we were looking elsewhere, and that's where Dylan White come in. Um, and uh, there was also a, uh, an option to fight Brazil over in, I think it was New York, um, for the same money. So, yeah, we, we end up going with the white fight. It just makes sense. Um, he's got the, the silver belt, as you said. Um, and here we are. And I remember when we last spoke, I asked you your top five most annoying heavyweights, and you had Dillian White at number two on that list. And you also said that you wanted to fight Dillian White in his hometown because you'd like to shut him up in his backyard. Now that the fight's actually happening, and it's not just words, have your feelings changed at all on Dillian White? And how excited are you to get a chance to do that come March 24th? My feelings have not changed in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, only for the fact that he's now number one on the list, not number two. Who, who was number one? Do we, do we remember? Yeah, Deontay Wilder. <laughs> oh, well, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll, I'll put Deontay Wilder at number two now then. Yeah, Dylan White's <laughs> definitely number one. Um, and yeah, here we are in London. First time I've been here. Um, I've been here for like yeah, two days now. Had a look around. Besides the fact that it's absolutely freezing cold, it's yeah, obviously a gorgeous place with a lot of history. But um, I, I think come fight night, it'll, it'll be a lot of, I think, like a 50-50 split in regards to support for me and him, which I think that's excellent. I'm always very well received in, in the UK. Um, and I think that Dylan White sort of talk himself into a hole where people don't like yeah, the, the, the big mouth smart ass and they want to see me build him, which is great. And originally, Dillian White was scheduled to box on February the 3rd at the O2. That date has obviously been pushed back now to March 24th. Did you have anything to do with that? Did you need extra time to prepare? Or was it just simply that the date was too soon for the fight to reach its, you know, its potential in terms of commercial value? Yeah, I believe that was more of an Eddie, an Eddie one, that one. Um, he realised that it, it, it wasn't going to be enough time. Um, I, was, I was in semi-camp sort of at that stage because I was going to fight Kuzman anyway in November. So I was in, I was in camp, and 
February could have come around for us, no problem. But in terms of a uh, yeah promotional side of things and all that sort of stuff, I think Eddie just decided March was better, which I don't mind. It just gives me more time to prepare. And I remember also when we last spoke, you said that your contract with Ricky Hatton had expired in April 2017. Obviously, Ricky's very much involved in this fight. Are things sorted now between you both contractually? Yeah. <laughs> the unfortunate part is lawyers just have a way of doing what lawyers do. Um, I'm with Ricky for another year now um, and also contracted to my manager for that period with Ricky. So I'm with my manager and my and, and Ricky for at least another year. So it's just the way it sort of work out through the courts and lawyers and et cetera. And what's the plan in terms of a training camp? Will you be staying out here and training with Ricky? Give us a rundown what's going to be happening over the next couple of days and weeks for yourself. Um, yeah, I, I, I live in Perth, so that's, that's where I have been since like Christmas time. I went home for the family and stuff. Um, prior to that, I've been in Sydney for nine weeks anyway with my trainer in semi-training camp. Uh, waiting for something to be sorted out so we can keep going. So uh, February 1st, I'll be going straight back home. Um, sorry, uh, February 1st, I'll be going straight back to Sydney. Um, continue with the training camp. We haven't quite sorted out whether we've got to come back here for maybe two weeks or so earlier to do some sparring and stuff. But um, if that is the case, it will probably be with Ricky's, in Ricky's gym. Um, yeah, the likes of um, yeah, Nathan Gorman, etc. Over, over that way. So it would make sense, obviously, for, for everyone for me to come a couple of weeks earlier. Um, but again, we haven't actually spoken and, and confirmed anything yet. Okay, excellent, excellent. I just want to get your opinion on a couple of other fights that have just recently been announced. Obviously, the one that you mentioned earlier, Joshua and Parker. How do you see that fight going down, Lucas? Uh, I, I, I rate both fighters. I just think Joshua's got too much in regards to the skill set. Uh, a little bit bigger, a little bit taller, fights longer. Um, and I, I put it at probably a 70-30 split towards AJ for that one. And what about Ortiz and Deontay Wilder? It all depends on how Ortiz comes back. I know, that, I know. for example, like a Povetkin, he come back off, off, off the drug charges and, and just didn't look the same, hasn't, hasn't looked the same, hasn't performed the same, hasn't had that same sort of knockout power, etc. Um, so let's see what happens with Ortiz when he comes back. Um Obviously, he's going to need all the power and stuff he can get to reach and get into uh, Dante Wilder. I don't rate uh, Dante as a boxer, like a pure boxer, but the boy can surely hit. You know what I mean? Like, if you do get hit, you stay hit sort of thing. But um, when he gets excited, he, he brings the windmills out and, and sort of flays around all over the place. But um, he can certainly hit... <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. Also, obviously, the press conference is tomorrow, so I appreciate you for making some time here. Are you ready for any kind of crazy antics or maybe anything that Dillian White decides to utter? <laughs> to, to be honest, I, I think he's going to have to try something in terms of whether it be words or even physical. Um, I hope he doesn't get physical because I don't like being somewhat bullied or anything like that, and, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, in regards to words, words are words. I'm 30 and calls whatever he wants to call me that's fine but I think he does have to sell it um, for his point of view obviously he wants more money and all that sort of stuff so he, he needs to sell it so I, I'm expecting many different angles <laughs> um, for him to shoot his mouth off is definitely like that's a guarantee yeah 100% and obviously, um, I've got to ask you this, Lucas. If you want to, if you want to give it to us, have you got any kind of prediction for your fight? How how do you win that fight? To be honest, I uh, yeah, 
I, I get asked a lot um, just in regards to any fights. It's really hard to say. It is the heavyweight division, so you never know. Like, Shigeo would be the classic example where I got put on my butt, um, and that wasn't part of the plan, of course. So um, you never know. It is the heavyweight division. Everyone can hit hard. So I, I personally would, would predict a stoppage like a KO, a TKO, or him even sort of not coming out for the round off his stool. Um, I do not want to go to the judges' decisions. I don't, I don't want to put my, my life and my career in other people's hands and how they saw the fight. I want to have a definite, I win because he's either lying on his back or gives up. And the final thing I want to ask you, Lucas, is there anything that I perhaps haven't asked you that you want to get off your chest or anything that you want to say at all just before we let you go to the UK fans? Um, at this point, yeah, thank you very much to the UK fans. As I said, I'm, I'm always very well received here and it, it really is a nice thing to come into another country and, and just have a lot of people know who you are, respect who you are and what you do and, and thank you for it, which is absolutely sensational. So thank you very much to the UK fans. Um, to the haters, they can eat a dick, but to the fans, thank you very much. Well said, well said. All right, listen, Lucas, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy your time here in the UK. Best of luck for March 24th, and we'll catch up sometime after, I'm sure. Legend, my friend. Thank you very much. Okay, this wraps up episode 118 of the Box Hard Podcast. It's been another podcast of champions. A big thank you to Joseph Parker, who we spoke to immediately after his press conference with Anthony Joshua, and a big thank you to Lucas Brown, who we spoke to before his press conference with Dillian White. We've put this show out on a Wednesday night, which is a day or two earlier than lately, to be honest, so I hope everybody's happy with that. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. No Eubank impressions this week. It's been short and sweet. Have a great weekend, people, and we'll see you next week.